Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the PGP, everybody. The show about the show, the show within the show. It's the podcast about the weekly, daily DA show. And we appreciate you being with us. You can always download this podcast or the normal DA show podcast feed, which is available. All your favorite podcast platforms have it. And it's also available on its own PGP feed. So you can search permission granted. Either one, subscribe to that podcast feed and rate and review as that helps other people find it. That would be awesome. And we appreciate the patronage on the podcast side of things. Now, Mraz has been out this week. He's been out since the end of last week because he had a little vacation that was scheduled with the family down in Florida where he has extended family. Mraz joins us for side A. How's it feeling down there, buddy, in the, in the sun and fun? Oh, DA, after being buried in foot after foot after foot of snow, it feels good just to feel a little sunshine on me hit the water. Oh, man, I am refreshed and rejuvenized. So it was a bit of a struggle to get out of town, though, because this was last week, and then there was snow that was going to hit you on the day that you were supposed to fly. So you had to call out a day earlier. Yeah. How was the actual trip getting down there with the impending snow? So I'm happy we made the right call, because by all accounts, the airport I was originally to fly out of Apparently, it was a massacre to get to. There were car accidents, pile up, snow. Apparently, was a mess the day you know, we were scheduled to get out. But I will vow this. I am soaking in this trip because I will never, ever, ever take a flight with my daughter again until she understands the concept <laughs> of putting in headphones and sitting there and watching an iPad or watching TV because those three hours were the worst three hours of my life. I don't yeah. think there's an exaggeration to make. I have lost family members, and it wasn't as excruciating as flying those three hours with a one-year-old because she just she didn't get it. There were loud screams at times if she didn't get what she wanted. Oh. I Basically, I was almost at the point that I was ready to let her run loose and run to the cockpit because there was nothing else I could do, and I was those parents to the point where people were giving us mean looks at the baggage claim. I ruined oh. everybody's flight. I became that guy. So how is the flight back going to be? Well, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the flight back selfishly because 
we met up with a, with a bunch of my family up in Lakeland, Florida for a couple of days. And then on Sunday, we picked up Danielle's cousin, Paige, who kind of, you know, pseudo fits in as a nanny for us. She wanted to get away for a couple of days because we went to see Danielle's friends. And, you know, we finished up these two days. I'm on St. Pete Beach here, getting a little beach time. So she flew down and we have already made the proclamation and I've tried to nudge my way in. Hey, I have to return to work Friday morning. I need to do things, catch up on stories, do a topic list. Why don't you sit with Danielle and Taylor, and I'll take your seat on the oh, plane. Oh, wow. And I am actually, by coming back to work on Friday, have used that, and I am going to be 10 rows behind my child on the plane, and I am wiping my hands clean of it. I, I told Danielle, I said, this was a bad idea to fall to begin with in a pandemic with a baby, and now we get stuck, and that plane ride was brutal. I can't do it again. I, w- I will refuse to do it again. I would rather drive back and have to sit with her on a plane again. So it's like starting Taylor Heineke over Dwayne Haskins. You just simply cannot watch Haskins go down in flames again. You can't do it. You can't do it. We've all been on the plane with the screaming baby. We've all been there, and we all know it stinks, and we all know it's frustrating. There's another level of anxiety when it's a child, and it just and then you throw in people who are obviously <laughs> ultra-sensitive traveling during these times as well with the masks and everything else. It was a colossal mistake. I've had a great time for the week. But those three hours still are hurting my heart. Like that anxious feeling I got when Joey Chestnut refused to try the hot dog. I was getting that same deal flying with Taylor. Well, we all thought that it was going to be dicey because she was a 13-month-old on a flight. But then also because of the mask thing, are they yes. just not mandating kids wearing masks on she flights? She did not have to. You have to be, basically, you have to be old enough to understand the concept of not ripping something off your face at all times, mm-hmm. which she is clearly not. So, you know, two, three years old, and they make you wear the mask. So she did not have to wear the mask. But uh, again, then she's pulling off mine and Danielle's, and people are, you know, looking at us. It's oh. just, it's not. It, oh. fly, I, I've heard horror stories of flying with children. Flying with, with you know, one year olds during a pandemic is, 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 you just can't do it. Like it, it's undoable. And I had to deal with it. I had to do it. And <laughs> again, if, if Daniel's cousin hadn't flown down to meet us, I would be having the worst. I, these last two days would be ruined thinking about flying home, but it's not my problem now. So that's what I'm looking at. It. <laughs> you've, you've washed your hands clean. You've flat out released Dwayne Haskins at this point in time. I have. I, that's not my problem. I'm doing work on the computer on the flight home. I can't deal with it. I'm out. So, Today, stunned to a news story, Bogus did the story about a guy outside of Arizona, outside of Phoenix, rather, in Arizona, who faked his own kidnapping to avoid going to work. He didn't want to go to work at a tire store. So he went out to the middle of the desert, tied his hands behind his back, stuffed a handkerchief in his mouth, and said, I've been kidnapped by guys that were trying to find my dad's money. Oh, man. We are two wrestling pay-per-views away from that being Pete's next move. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, my question was at the end of the show, which CBS Sports Radio employee is most likely to fake his own kidnapping to get out of work? Uh, so do you have an answer to this? It's Pete. It's absolutely Pete. There's no doubt he's run out of excuses for days off that this is something he absolutely would do. I'm sorry. I know that, I know people might go, you know, maybe they'll give you a Shep, I guess, would be one. But though, though he works too many jobs to get to work, so I wouldn't even say him. There are people that get frustrated, but we've dealt with too many Pete days off. It has to be Pete. <laughs> well, I was going to vote Shep because, I mean, couldn't you see Shep s- suggesting this with a straight face and us being like, come on, man. You of course, but, but the problem is he'd be suggesting it while kidnapped, while holding the dogs he has to walk and the basketball team he has to practice with. And we'd be calling him out, well, how are you still doing those jobs while kidnapped? <laughs> okay. Ridiculous. 
We had John Rothstein join us on the show yesterday, a little college basketball insider, and he dropped multiple 80s pop culture references, a Rambo 2, a Back to the Future 2, a Seinfeld Bizarro episode, and then a Jim Fossil reference from 2000. So we were talking today about how John Rothstein's the only guy that has more dated pop culture references than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least you don't need brackets after Rambo and Bizarro Seinfeld, though, the regions. I mean, I guess that's where he draws the line. So does that make me look hipper that John Rothstein's the most recent movie he's seen is Rambo 2? You're at least probably, what, five episodes of The Breaking Bad now? So, yeah, I mean, in theory, you've reached the year 2006. He hasn't. So, yes, you are slightly hipper than John Rothstein. So today we had on this author, and he wrote a book about being a clubhouse attendant for two years of minor league baseball. We didn't know this at the time when we interviewed him, but in the middle of the interview, he says that he went to Winthrop. He was a Winthrop grad. Oh. And And at the end of the interview, he says... Thanks for having me on, DA. If you're not making tacos, I don't love you no more. Oh, he knew. He knew. And so I don't know if it's because he went to Winthrop and, and has heard the bit, if he knows Super Dave, but or he listens to the show, but he dropped a tacos reference at the end of the interview. Oh, this is the best if guests can stop dropping Easter egg drops that have to do with Winthrop games as well. That would be the best. I the know. Best. So I oh, wonder, and, and, I, I wonder I, how I he just, got this. I do have to say, I, I did catch, I need Super Dave saying, have fun with your marriage, oh, over man. and over again injected into me. You know, out of all of them we've had him do, and I would drop dead without those burritos, and, you know, if you're not making tacos, and I th- honestly think, have fun with your marriage. <laughs> it was such authority. It's, it's actually the best one. <laughs> I've been actually mumbling it under my breath the last two days as I walk through on the boardwalk and stuff. I've actually, uh, Daniel's had that stop me because I've said it multiple times. Have fun with your marriage. Because Every time I get frustrated with something on this trip. Yeah, the origin of it was you doing kind of like a coffee talk, like a have fun <laughs> with your marriage, like a Jack K. So it's a very effeminate, you know, inflection. And the way <laughs> Dave does it, it's like a hearty broadcaster. Have fun with your marriage. (laughs) And it just doesn't fit. Like, what do these college basketball players have to do with having fun with your marriage? That's what makes it great, too. So is Danielle Uh, annoyed with you at all on this trip? uh, I would say the, the, you know, I mean, your typical here and there, you know, whenever something goes wrong with a baby, are you doing enough? Are you doing enough? Uh, wasn't thrilled that I stepped away to tape the podcast during breakfast. I said, what do you want me to do? It's 10, 15 minutes. Because uh, I think she wanted me to spoon feed the oatmeal here. But no, I think for the most part, we're having a good time. She's happy to get away, get some refreshment. I mean, the weather's been beautiful. I'm looking out. Not a cloud in the sky. It's 75 degrees right now. I'm going to hit the water in a little bit. No, there's nothing to be upset about here. That's the thing about Florida is that you're like, wow, everything weird happened in Florida. Florida man is all over the place. There's alligators and iguanas and drugs mm-hmm. and craziness. and But when you get down there, you realize why people would move there because the weather is so damn perfect for six months of the year. Exactly. I keep telling Danielle this over and over again. Every time she gets sucked in, oh, isn't it so much better in this winter? I said, DA often has the saying, best week of your life, worst year of your life. So just remember <laughs> that. Keep that in mind. That's right. Well, before I let you go, because I don't want her to get too mad at you, I just want to read to you a Schwartz tweet. Now, since the beat reporter you are of the Schwartz Oh. You know, career. Maybe you've already seen this. Maybe you would be reporting on this already. But... Well, 
Uh, before you read the tweet, let me just tell you, I had to deal with about 50 Schwartz text messages yesterday on vacation. So believe me, I'm well in tune with this. About what? <laughs> because this could only happen to me. I, I happened to be drinking yesterday with a guy I thought was from Long Island. Oh, he's wearing an Islanders hat, and he, I put it on Twitter. Is the captain of the Islanders' grandfather, and also a guy, uh, his other grandson, this guy Ryan Connolly, is a Viking linebacker. Anyway, put the thing online, and it led to I got way too many pictures of every Schwartz kid ever with Anders Lee over the last five years. Oh, God. And can you go up to him and ask him if he can text his grandson oh. and ask him if he remembers Bradley and uh, tell him we ran this tangent? I'm, I'm oh. not going up to a guy to have him text his son to see if he knows your son. Come on. Oh, but he didn't ask for an autograph or a piece of memorabilia from that dude? No. No, no, thank goodness. But he wanted me to talk to him more. I couldn't do it. So Schwartz tweeted yesterday, I received this DM from an Islanders fan. Hi, it's probably pretty stupid question, Pete, but any chance you could get me a game slash goal puck from a game and sell it to me? Oh. Pete, Pete says, stupid question. If a puck landed at my seat, I'm keeping it. But does yeah. he think I'm getting a goal puck? Now, Cap asked this question. Do we think that somebody... One of our listeners is trolling Schwartz. It's 100% a troll. There is no way, knowing the backstory of Schwartz of the Pucks, that anybody would tweet him that seriously. <laughs> it is somebody now finding new ways to kind of wink, wink, give him a nudge that you are an ultimate glutton when it comes to free stuff. If a puck landed at my seat, I'm keeping it. He has a thousand pucks. He wouldn't sell one to someone that wanted to buy it? Of course, because he's greedy. He hasn't gotten one in a while. And it's just a typical Schwartz, but there's no way that guy was serious. It's 100% a DA show listener. I have no doubt in my mind. Tell Danielle, thanks for letting you get away from breakfast for a little bit. Enjoy, what, chocolate chip pancakes today? No, we're doing a little Monte Cristo here. Oh, well, that sounds How about that? good. Have fun yeah. with your Monte Cristo. Have fun with your breakfast. <laughs> All right. All right, man. See you in a couple days. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. That was Mraz on side A. Time now for Mr. Bogues. Andrew Bogus on side B. And I kind of feel as though you should be side A, except Mraz threw us for a loop today. He said that he couldn't tape it later in the morning because he had breakfast reservations that they could not break. So sorry, Bogues, you got bumped to side B because of that. Wait, are you telling me that food somehow dictated Sean's day and the rest of our days? That food became the number one priority for him? Apparently so. And in Florida, where you would think that it's just happy-go-lucky. I mean, they had fans in the Super Bowl and we had beaches full during pandemic. He's saying that hard and fast reservation, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. So... We all thought it was loosey-goosey down there. He says, no, not quite. Maybe at the restaurant, but I've seen some other loosey-goosey stuff. I mean, there's loosey-goosey people everywhere. I mean, I, uh, around here, even in New York, people are certainly either uh, ignoring things or tired of following things. So I guess every place can get dicey and a little sketchy at times. But uh, I'm glad Sean is, I, I guess, being safe and, and, uh, and uh, keeping himself out of danger down in Florida. I thought, by and large, though, that Florida didn't have any rules. I mean, I, I lived down there twice. I didn't notice any rules when I was down there. Now, suddenly, they got rules on breakfasts and reservations. I mean, do they have rules that people that people just ignore, or are there are literally no rules? I haven't been down in a long time, so I can't really speak to that. But I'm just, uh, again, if, Sean, if there are rules and Sean is following them, then good for him, I guess. So we asked this question at the end of the show, who at CBS Sports Radio is most likely to fake their own kidnapping to get out of work? 
And I'm surprised you didn't think Shep first and foremost. I mean, hasn't Shep brought the most excuses to the table? He has, but I feel like Shep's a candidate to actually be kidnapped as opposed to fake his own kidnap. Um, and I, you know, Pete was my knee-jerk reaction, and I'm going to stand by that. But I understand the the thought behind Shep. Um, but again, I, st- I still think Shep would have just gotten like lost on his way to work, <laughs> or actually kidnapped because he knew the secret password to some buried treasure somewhere. I don't know that Shep would actually go as far as faking his own kidnapping to get out of work. <laughs> really. After the disaster in November or December, whatever month that was, where we had the two days of Shep meltdown, you don't think that that would have led to some type of exotic, elaborate lie that Shep would have used to get out of the next time he had to work? Well, but the thing is, like, the the problem with Shep is that he works. Like, he does all these things to show up. Like, he could have very easily said, no, I need to take one less dog walking shift or taking a nap. But like, but Shep shows up. I don't and like. That's the problem. He doesn't turn down work, which puts him in this rut where he's been awake for you know seventy nine consecutive hours, and then has no mental capacity to come and run aboard for us. So he just needs to say no. He doesn't need elaborate plans not to work. He just needs to feel okay with not going somewhere for a little bit, so he can actually take care of himself. Have you ever had a job where you tried to concoct any way possible not to have to go to work? Um, let me think. I mean, I, I've been lucky in that I've been able to work in this industry really like right from college graduation and always had enough stuff to put together to make ends meet and have enough to live whatever life I was living at that moment, whether I had rent or not, or a wife or whatever. Um, the only like kind of normal kind of crappy job I had is I worked at sports authority one summer before college. And then after freshman year, it was two years. Um, so, but even that, like if I didn't want to go in, I just said, I, I didn't feel well. And like somebody covered for me, like it did, it didn't require any kind of planning or subterfuge to, to not show up there. What, how were you at sports authority? What'd you do? Uh, I thought I was really good. I might've even gotten a, like a 15 cent raise at one point, um, along, along the way, but it was huge. It was, um, yeah, it was convenient. It was right down the block from my house. So I could walk there. Um, and, you know, I was whatever they needed. I worked in team sports. So basketball, hockey, baseball. And um, I could fit you for cleats or pick out a tennis oh, racket wow. for you even. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was a jack of all trades. Couldn't touch the bike section. Bikes had special training. You, need, you went to a special bike academy within sports authority to get clearance to do bike sales. But everything else, you could walk off the street and sell. And I and I think I did that a pretty good job for those two summers. I was never cut out for regular jobs. I was never cut out for regular employment. I had seen my dad go to work for 40 years at the time I was younger. But he had gone to work for you know, 30, 40 years for the same company. And he was never all that excited to go to work. In fact, most of it was just get me to Saturday, as we would use a Bob the Deli manism here. Just get me to Friday, right? Just... I don't want to go to work, but I got to go to work. Got to bring home the bacon. That's it. I just want to work to to Saturday. And I just, I said, I never want to do that. So I kind of knew at an early age, I was not fit for a nine to fiver that I wasn't really invested in. And so I had a couple of jobs early. I was a camp counselor and 
that was pretty brutal because even though you got to be outside and you could get creative and you hang out with kids all the time, you know, you're dealing with just yelling, screamy kids that are on their summer camp days off. And so they're just they're taking you for a ride every single day. They are not well behaved. This is their chance to just let loose during the summer. So that was kind of brutal by like year three. I think I did that. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And then I was also a lifeguard at a condo complex. Now, you might think, oh, D.A., that sounds pretty good. You just get to sit outside and, you know, you get to work on your tan all day. And that's what I thought until I realized that every time I was poking my nose into the Sports Illustrated over the day or whatever I was not paying attention to, condo moms were up my butt about watching the water at all times. So if you have a Mm six-hour shift, you are just watching people frolic in the water and like okay it's not strenuous but it's really annoying because you're just you can't do anything on your own time it is just watching other people at all times you have to be on high alert and i of course thought that it was kind of a knockoff job and so i got reprimanded by you know the the the, the condo moms they were not happy i did one summer of that i'm like i'm out of here and it was at that moment that i said look i I just can't. I'm not cut out for regular work. And so either one of those jobs, I would have thought about perhaps faking my kidnapping. Yeah, I've only so the sports authority. I was a paper boy in grammar oh, school. Wow. Um, which, you, you know, you can't. I, you, the Daily News has got to get to people's front steps. So, I mean, yeah. I, there was no there was no shirking those responsibilities. Uh, and for two summers in high school, I worked at a golf course with my grandfather. Like we went every morning together. Nice. So there was also no getting out of that either. So and then you know my when I had a real job, I'm always afraid that if I lie about not going to work, some kind of like karmic revenge will come my way. Like if I say I don't feel well, then the next week I'll have the flu and be deathly ill. Or like if I just call out, then they're gonna fire me. That's like that's the day that I'm gonna get Wally pipped by somebody. So um, even if I had a bad situation, it would have taken me a lot to lie my way out of working because I just fe- I was afraid of something then coming back to get me in retribution. How about Greg Larson, author of Clubby, at the end of the interview, dropping a, if you're not making tacos, I don't love you no more reference. The tangled web that this show has weaved across America is really? just, it's remarkable. Wow. I mean, of all of all the people, this guy, again, it, it's all of these things that align in our favor. <laughs> he He didn't have to go to Winthrop. But he did. He didn't have to write a book, but he did. That book didn't have to cross your path, but it did. He came on the show fresh off of all of our Winthrop and Super Dave love, and he couldn't have been happier to yell at a taco line. Now, do you think it's because he knows Super Dave because he did go to Winthrop, or do you think that he listens to the show, or do you think that he just he combed our social media first off? How would he have done this? My my guess is if he's a good Winthrop alum, and, he, and you know he said he worked for the baseball program, so he worked in the department, so he was in on Winthrop Athletics, so that he probably just follows along, and whether it's the general basketball account or Super Dave, he just he's he's been made aware of the connection. And I guess the 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 good thing is that he put two and two together, right? I mean, it could have possibly not dawned on him yeah. that he was coming on the DA show. And Super Dave, but he was able to make the connection and then make the reference. It was brilliant because he also drops it at the very end, kind of just like a mic drop. We do the entire interview. 
He gives he gives us no reason to believe that he knows the show. And yet at the end, he just says, yeah, thanks, DA. If you're not making tacos, I don't love you anymore. Thanks for having me. And then just hangs up. Like, wow, out of nowhere dropping the bomb. That's just a three that he stuck in our eye at the end. I mean, it would be asking too much, and it would have been too much of the universe to provide this as well. But imagine if he was able to somehow combine the Winthrop Super Dave stuff with the machine that is John Rothstein and give us multiple quick drops back into our face throughout the entire conversation about his book. Like he could have oh, called that guy who the the pitcher that that called him and was mad at him about the book. He could have called said he was you know puffy with sodium or he had a weird waist. Like there were ways to throw some stuff, but more stuff back in here. That would have been that would have blown our minds. Yeah, just dropping a little Easter eggs throughout the entire thing. He said it. Was, I think it was Alan Mills. I think was the name of the pitcher yes. that he said. And he said that there was a fight where I think Mills was part of the Cubs and went into the stands for a, a player fight with fans. Do you remember this? I feel like the if the malice of the palace had already happened, we would all remember it pretty distinctly. Yeah, I don't I don't remember fans fighting with fans. I mean, I, I, the last thing I remember him saying about the fight was that he, the guy knocked over or knocked down Daryl Strawberry. That was a different fight. So, it was a different fight. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so this this guy's a thug apparently. Um, but no, I don't. I don't remember anybody fighting in the stands in baseball. I think that's what he said. I think he said that it was the, it was a Yankees Orioles brawl, and this guy pitched for the Orioles, and he knocked Daryl Strawberry out. But that he also said he was also involved in a brawl at Wrigley Field, where maybe as a member of the Cardinals, they went into the stands against fans of the Cubs at Wrigley, and I'm like. If the mal- the mouse of the palace wasn't the first time this happened, I should remember this. I should know about this. But well, though, no. I mean, did they just did the Cubs and Cardinals fight? Like, did they fall over the sidewall into the stands, or are they fighting with fans? Because I guess that's a that's an important difference between what yeah. they might have done and what happened in Detroit. I don't know. It's a great question. I mean, we need to we need to find out how this happened because this is this is pretty notable. Okay, so. I'm quickly Googling this. This says in 2000, it was a Dodgers-Cubs game at Wrigley Field and that a brawl spilled over into the fans. It looks like the Dodgers players were getting into it near the sideline, near the near the end line, and it looked like maybe one guy got entangled with a fan and then some of the Dodgers players came to his defense. One of the players went into the fans. It, it's not nearly the malice of the pals. It's just like a bunch of fans arguing with players, I think. And Alan Mills was on the 2000 Dodgers. I mean, how about this? And now I'm seeing that there's some fans throwing beer cups at the Dodgers. I'm surprised we don't remember this. This is right in our our baseball wheelhouse. 2000, yeah. I got nothing on this. Hmm. We should do a deep dive. But then again, my memory is terrible. This could have happened yesterday, and I might not be remembering (laughs) it today. So I I might not be the best gauge of (laughs) that we should know this or not. It does look like it's getting a little worse as some players need to be pulled away from the crowd so okay i'm gonna to have to do a deep dive into this this might have to be an instant classics with do you remember the original malice of the palace let me ask you about memories sports wise do you find that you could remember a lot more from when we were kids like minutia of sports when you were young versus now it's in one ear and out the other or do you forget everything no i i think i think the stuff that you learn first has a special place in your head. Um, but like, I still need, um, reminders like the, the recall that certain people have 
even I mean, Sean has it to a certain extent, but and then there's like the elite level, like Mad Dog Russo's recall is insanity. Like I don't have any of that on any kind of level, but if you get me going, then I can I can follow you. It's the immediate like connection that I that I struggle with that I wish that I had that immediately could go oh that guy and this happened on that day or because even like more recently like the, the other day something made me think of the year that the Mets collapsed and the and Glavin had the horrible start on the last day of the year and they didn't get 07. in and I just like literally was it is it 07 is it 06 like and I remember like I was at the game before the second to last game of the year which was an insane John Main pitching performance there was a brawl early in the game at third base that involved Jose Reyes and the Marlins catcher I think like so like though like but but was it 2006 or 2007 how many games were they up by on what date like I, I I should have a better memory for what I do, um, but thank goodness the internet is here to help me. Kind of when I in a pinch, uh, I can get some facts to sound somewhat professional and prepared. Well, 06 was the NLCS with the Andy Chavez catch. I think Carlos Beltran bat of the shoulder. So 07 was the huge collapse where they led by seven with 17 to play. I think and that ended with the Tom Glavin disaster and. In game 162, and then the following year was another collapse, but it wasn't as bad. I think they led by three, three games with like five to play or seven, maybe seven. And like, you know, I certainly like Sean could go through like every Giant and Yankee season, go like, oh, in 99, this happened. And it was there was that game. And then 2004, they were this and there was that. But I, I that I cannot do. Like, that's just not how my brain works about how even and again, the Mets and the Rangers, my my true first loves like. It just, I don't, maybe it's a problem, maybe. I don't, I don't know if it's good or bad. I should, I should have it checked out. Uh, but things don't stick around with the detail uh, that I would like them to. I just found this that I was, you know, as I, I forget what sports story popped up, but I was so locked into it because it was, oh, maybe it was because I was looking at the all decade teams or something like, I forget what it was, but. Recently, I just noticed, I was like, oh, man, everything from, like, 1991 through 1998, I could tell you every champion, every finalist, Final Four, what have you, MVP. Like, I just knew it, knew it, knew it, knew it back of my hand, and those are my most formative years. I was between the ages of, say, 12 and 19 or so, so everything matters so much more. And then I realized that now if you asked me, let's just go back five years ago, so 2016, I'd have a pretty good chance of the World Series was the Cubs and 2016 was the the Patriots huge comeback over the Falcons. 2016 I think was the the first Warriors championship with KD. I think or maybe it was no maybe 2016 was the Cavs championship but again like I'd have to work through my brain but if you asked me like 1992 pop 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 I would know everything. Yeah. 1989 pop 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 I would know everything. And it just it struck me that, yeah, when you're 10 years old, that stuff sticks hard. When you're 36 years old or 45 years old, you got to really work at thinking it through. So I, there's two things I'll say to that. I think partially is just when you're a kid, when you're 10 or 11, like that's what matters the most, right? So that, like, that's what you're using all of your brain power on. Totally. And then like you you had to remember things like that because they were not easily findable. Like you weren't going to go pull out the almanac. So like, you just it, it had to be in your head. It had to stay there. And it was more important than anything else. So it got like prime real estate. Now 
we all have a bazillion other things going on. So I think that takes up space and competes against it. But also then too, just personally for me, like thinking back about You're all right. my schooling and stuff, like I think I was good at remembering things long enough to take a test and do well on the test. I think where my shortcomings were, and if I could go back in time or like when I talk to my kids now as I get older, like I don't think that I learned things as well as I should have. I remembered them when I needed to remember them, but then there were, but there, but there's a difference I think between remembering and like learning where it's now really truly like ingrained in your mind and you know it and you think it and it's right there to be recalled as opposed to just remembering a series of dates or formulas just enough to get you through a test and then you got rid of it and put in the next batch of lessons for the next test or whatever. It's a great point. You know, my one of my junior senior year like big projects in high school for US history, I did a deep dive on the the boycott of the Olympics by the US and then by the Soviets. And so I remember going back to the 76 and 1980 and 1984 papers to really like study this. And how did I do this? I went to the county library and I went through microfiche and actually, you know, pulled up reading full newspaper articles and having to print them out and highlight them and then transcribe them and write them in the report. And the physical act of going to a big library and asking for these microfiche, you know, like slides and download, well, at that point, printing them and scanning through them, it gives you a totally different relationship with the information versus today, I would sit down on my phone or my laptop, I would Google it, boom, 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 copy and paste, and that's it. And so I think you're absolutely right. The process of learning before the internet was so much of a deeper learn. Now you scoot through everything. And it's like here today, gone tomorrow. In five minutes, I'm studying something else. Yeah, and I, and I think part of it too might be like a lot of things now we – like not that you don't watch them live because we do, but then like I don't know. Like I, I, I can remember so many things about – and I was a bad New Yorker um, – because I liked the Bulls growing up. And I can remember so many details about their six championship seasons, you know, what the conference finals were like, what the finals were like, who was on those teams. But this morning, when you were referencing your latest Brad Stevens takedown, you know, I'm like, I'm going back on like, I don't remember how last year finished for them. Like I know it was the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, then they lost to the Heat, but how'd that series go? And then the year before that, it was the Raptors. And the year before that, you know, eventually it was LeBron. Like, and like I needed to go back and look and have all that stuff like regurgitated in my head. But I could tell you right now that, you know, the order of the Bulls yeah. six titles, who they beat, you know, that it went Lakers yeah. and then Blazers and then Suns. And then a Sonics and two Jazz. But like I struggled to remember what happened yeah, just months ago in the exactly. NBA bubble. That's exactly right. You know, I, it was funny that you say that because I was just reading an article about Jimmy Butler and what he brought to the, the Miami Heat in Sports Illustrated. And it mentioned that the finals went six and Butler had that heroic, I think, game three or four. I forget whichever crazy game he went off. And he was off in the entire series, but he kind of saved the series. And I'm like, boy, if you would have asked me before I read this article, how many games the Lakers clinched in last year, 
I probably say six, but it's, there's no guarantee. Yeah. There's no guarantee. Right. And that, that was October. Yeah, it just happened, and it was insane because it was because it was such a good series. And it was such a weird series. Like that one should be burned in your mind, but I I need a refresher every couple of weeks. Yeah, it's true. Well, I will say this: without Mraz this week, it's been a pretty civil week. You know, we've gotten through a lot of sports, and we've had good conversations and good interviews and good takes. I think what we learn is when you add a dash of Mraz, everything just goes sideways and gets comical every single segment. But isn't that what we need him for? Isn't well, that yes. that's what he thinks we but need him for? Isn't it funny that like Pete's not running the board this week because he slides into Mraz's chair and we're on point on time with every break because we're not like suddenly spending six minutes discussing how Mraz doesn't know <laughs> that, you know, bears don't have long tails. You know, we just kind of stumble right. into these things constantly. We're on point, we're on break, and it's the one week that Pete's not running the board to actually appreciate it. Yeah, no one's taken their shirt off on Twitch. Um, no one has said anything silly. No one yeah. has cried about a retirement or a bad loss. It's, yeah, it's been a it's been a regular week. Yeah, your wife, my wife, we ha- they haven't thrown things downstairs on top of us. Our animals True. haven't urinated on top of the routers. Uh, you know, we just don't have our parents texting us incessantly during the show. We did have one. We did have one message from <laughs> from Sweet Nancy. Yeah, Nancy was not happy that I was that you and I were taking a crowbar to his Tom Brady hype video stuff last week, but she's been quiet since then. So either she's not listening or she got over it. So, all right, that is side B. It's so funny every time that Morass has you on, he's like, "And bogus your Twitter handle." And you're like at Andrew Bogus. I'm like, why wouldn't Morass just say that? It's the easiest Twitter handle ever to remember at Andrew Bogus. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I've given up trying to understand anything because he has that weird like wild wild west intro oh, to side man, B too. Yeah. So I just howdy, I just howdy, howdy, howdy. yeah, no thanks. So I just get 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 me on and get me off. <laughs> get me to Friday. That's basically get, get me, me to me Friday. Get me, get me to the off. end of side B. Get me to Friday. All right, that is the PGP this week. Stick around next week for the next PGP, the show about the show. Until then, the Permission Granted Podcast is. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.